Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Out West is Adam Stanko, just two plugged-in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. Today's episode of Rejecting the Screen is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Coming up on Thursday, the Going ISO edition, Mike Talasian, the award-winning, multiple-time award-winning filmmaker, You'll most likely recognize him from the 30 for 30, which is certainly one of the best 30 for 30s ever made. Once Brothers, the Vladi mm-hmm. Divac, Draz, and Petrovic story. Also, Cue Ball, which is on Netflix, you can go. That's the San Quentin inmates, the San Quentin Warriors basketball team, and how basketball is used as therapy of sorts. So you'll get that full conversation on Thursday. He's a former NBA production assistant going all the way back to the to the eighties and doing inside stuff and his first ever inside stuff shoot that he went out on was the Larry Johnson draft workout shoot, which I ended up finding (laughs) on YouTube. So make sure you're listening on. Yeah. Make sure you're listening on Thursday to Mike Talasian. And also Adam, I'd like to thank everybody for all the love for the Mark Jackson podcast. And also Mark himself, not just for being, so open and honest and inspirational and enthusiastic, but for also tweeting and sharing the podcast as he did that. The the stories still sit with me of Mark saying, I didn't have any heat. Didn't have any running water. Go outside 5. AM get water from the fire hydrant before any of my neighbors could notice. I, I mean, heartbreaking. He, there was a line in that podcast People need to listen to that interview for what you're saying. He just referenced one word. It was like he referenced himself as like being stinky or something. He's yeah. like, I was a big kid. They they made fun of me, bullied me for calling me baby Huey because I was big and I was and 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 I smelled. I was stinky. And, and the way he described that is just the pain that a kid must have felt to be in his position. Just heartbreaking. But his stories about his youth, Rashid Wallace, Kobe Bryant incredible, incredible podcast. I highly recommend people going back and checking that out. Yeah, so go back and listen to that. It's all in the Rejecting the Screen feed here on Locked On Podcast Network. Just, it's in, from last week, going ISO, Mark Jackson. Our number one Mark Jackson, not the ABC commentator, Mark Jackson. We got a lot of love also for our early basketball stories. So let's start with that before we get into the draft. And given that Mike Talasian was also a, NBA production assistant. I'm going to start, Adam, with my first day as an NBA intern. So it was mm. the summer of it was the summer of 2003. So it was the summer after my junior year at BU. Now, the last two weeks of that, right before I got to New York for my internship, my best friend from going up, Josh, had been in Australia. And this, you know, this NBA internship was, you know, meant the whole world to me. Life changing. Being, being able to work for the NBA. I had no mm-hmm. idea how it was going to change my life, but it certainly did. My best friend, Josh, was studying abroad in Australia, who I grew up with, known Josh since nursery school. And his sister, who had graduated high school with my brother and our families were so close friends, his sister and his mom had gone over to visit him in Australia. And she died in a scuba diving accident. Over there in Australia. In Australia. So Oof. this had all happened 
this had all happened about the, the two weeks before I ended up leaving for New York. So the so the full two weeks or about, I guess, by the time they got back, about 10 days, I slept at Josh's house every night. I remember sleeping in the sleeping in the basement on that black leather couch and being with his family every single day until until I left. So what what should have really felt like the momentous occasion going to work for the NBA early on in those first few days, my mind was my mind was not there. My very first day as an NBA intern was an off day after game three of the NBA finals. And it's significant because when you work at the NBA in the summer, Adam, as you know, a lot of people are gone. You know, during yeah. finals, the offices are empty when internships start. But 03 was net spurs. So you have pretty much home games since the NBA entertainment offices uh, are like 10 minutes away in Secaucus from the Meadowlands where the Nets played. So it was an off day in between games three and four. The Spurs were up 2-1. Game four ended up being the RJ dunk over, well, two, two rejecting the screen podcast guests, the RJ dunk over Kevin Willis. The 77 76 win it was a crazy ugly game but so I'm, i'm sitting in the conference room right when you walk in in that office that is no longer there but it's where the nba tv studios used to be and where the draft lottery used to be held mm-hmm. and my boss walks in and he says in in classic fashion which i would come to learn where's noah kozlov and everyone like kind of turns their heads like, what, huh? I raise my hand. He goes, let's go. We got to go. I go, it's the whole intern class. There was a, the entertainment intern class. And then the, the rest of the intern class in the league office was in New York. And I said, uh, all right. So I, so I walk out and I said, where are we going? And he said, you're on a need to know basis. And right now you don't need to know anything. What? Like with, with that level of enthusiasm. Okay. So I get in his car and we go to media day over at the Meadowlands. Okay. And he says, stand here. Don't say a word. I said, all right. Okay. I stand there. About, I don't know, 90 seconds later, I guess. There's someone standing next to me. And I turn. It's Kenyon Martin. And... <laughs> And he says, so, and I, like, I, I freeze. Like, I, I'm not supposed, I'm not supposed to talk to anybody, <laughs> yeah, let alone exactly. a player, I guess. So I just, just nod. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like gives me a weird look. Like, why wouldn't you say hello? You're blowing off Kenyon Martin. <laughs> right. Just, just kind of, just kind of nodded. And that was, and that was my first, and that was my first day because then two days later was game four, which is, an all-time ugly game. And I knew it at the time, but I went back and looked at box scores yesterday, and mm-hmm. Tony Parker was one for 12. Ginobili was two for 10. Duncan went 23-17 and seven blocks, okay? Duncan was 10 for 23. The rest of the team was 16 for 67, okay? Kenyon Ooh. and RJ carried the Nets. And in that 0-3, only, there was only one finals game. It was game one that a team went over a hundred and the Spurs scored 101. And there was only one other game that a team went over 90 and the Spurs did that when they scored, when they scored 93. 
but I, but I, there's a few things from that thinking about like kid, then there was all that talk about is kid going to be a San Antonio spur, even though they have Tony Parker, then he up resigning with the nets, but kid and Duncan went or Duncan and kid went one, two in the MVP race that year, which, Mm -hmm. and then, and then I was, then it made me think as you would do the same thing. Well, when was when did that happen after that? When was the next time that right. happened? And then it was it was LeBron and KD in uh, 2012. Mm. But bringing up the present day, we might have that this year with LeBron and Giannis. So it all it all comes full, full Interesting. circle. Back to my first day as as an NBA intern. One other Ooh. note in that in that same intern class, Ned Cohen, who is we worked in basketball operations at the NBA for a number of years and is now um, high up in the front office with the Philadelphia 76ers. He was part of that class. And my buddy, Thanasis Petrakis, who has been a longtime videographer for the league. So when you go back and it's all, I always take screenshots whenever I see him, like you know, with his camera <laughs> in Katie's face or Steph's face or LeBron's face, right. always take, you know, always taking video, a really talented videographer who, was in that intern class as well. Wow, one of the great intern classes of all time. Some might argue. Yeah, it's some right there will with the say, class of '84. Uh, well, That's some a, will say that the intern class of '03 was just as good as the NBA draft class of '03. That they that they go hand in hand. I don't know how the intern class of '96 was, and yeah. if you or '80 or '84, but '84 I guess didn't have interns because that was well. The intern class of '84 was Nat Butler. Nat Butler was in the intern That's class. That's why of I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. I mean, mm. you're talking about one of the great that which I mean, I don't think anyone can ever surpass the 84 class. But if they could, that uh, 03 class is special. I will say um, it'd be interesting if that 2012 MVP nugget that'd make for a good tweet, Noah, because well, well I don't know because that's happened. a shortened season. Well, no, I was just going to say shortened season in 2012. You're going to have a shortened season this year, right? So all the similarities between this year and 2012. Um. Anyway, uh, that, well, I love. Let me let me just say. Hold on. Let me just say. I I think this whole first segment has been one of your best ever. And, and when we <laughs> and when we hit, if we stopped to record right now an Uber conference, it would say Noah Koslov spoke for sixteen minutes. Adam Stenko, and it won't it might not even register. It might not even be a minute. So coming up, <laughs> early basketball story from Adam Stenko. You know, I'm not going to even let you do the read either. I'm still going to do it. I'm on a roll. Adam, how important are things like feeding your children and clothing them to you? Is this rhetorical because you still want to talk or is this a legitimate question? I'd say on both those answers, if you were allowing me to speak at this point, I would say both are, are extremely important. So if you could save money any way you could, you would do it, right? As long as it's legit? Of course. Yeah. Why not? Right. Okay, so since your car needs work, rockauto.com is the way to save Mm -hmm. money when choosing to repair and maintain your cars. So go to rockauto.com for the best prices and also an easy way to navigate this whole scene for do-it-yourselfers like ourselves. It's a family Mm. business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years rockauto.com you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and they've got everything and the catalog's unique easy to navigate you can see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and the prices you prefer 
and they're always reliably low. So why spend up to 30, 50, 100% more at a car dealership or a chain store? Go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Adam, before you get to your... No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That was impressive. That was an impressive run by you. Take a drink of water. You need a a break. Mm -hmm. Um, My family and friends who know how much I like to speak are probably appreciating that first segment more than you you realize. (laughs) Uh, So... With the news that that came out last week about William Wesley, a.k.a. World Wide West, um, it, becoming an advisor to the Knicks in an official capacity, I I was thinking about the interactions I've had. And if you're if you're part of the Northeast basketball scene, certainly Philly, anybody in South Jersey, like like World Wide West. What, that wasn't just a moniker that that was legitimate because everywhere you seemed to go, especially in the early 2000s, mid all through the 2000s, you, you run into Wes everywhere. And I didn't know him personally, but I would see him everywhere. It was unbelievable. Covered a lot of high school hoops at that time. And Dewan Wagner had a relationship with him. And Wes, of course, had the relationship with Calipari and when he was in Memphis. And there was just all these connections all the time with, with World Wide West. He's everywhere, right? That's what they they always say in basketball circles. So in 2002, LeBron James plays against Carmelo Anthony in Trenton, New Jersey. That game's nationally televised. And I end up going to the game, covered LeBron a lot in high school. And I go to the game and I bring my, my brother Randy with me. And we have these great seats, uh, just a few rows uh, behind one of the, the baskets. And it's almost all media members where we were sort of sitting. And for a high school event, you're going to get great seats for media members because that's, you know, they want the pub and all that kind of stuff, especially at the time. So it's this crazy hype game. St. Vincent, St. Mary, LeBron's team against Oak Hill Academy, Carmelo's team. Carmelo's a senior, LeBron's a junior. So as we're sitting there watching the game, all of a sudden we see right in front of us, like another row or two in front of us, Worldwide West shows up just at the start of the game. Of course he's there. Of course, right? And he's with a guy that is this big dude who looks like a player. This guy's about like six, seven, athletic. And we're looking at him and I'm trying to figure out who it is. And I'm like, he's with World Wide West. So he's got to be someone legitimate. And I was familiar with pretty much all the top high school prospects at that time. And I was like, is he a college player that West is bringing? But would he be allowed to do that? And I'm like, could the kid be in high school? I don't know if he's a pro. So we're trying to figure it out. We start talking to guys around us and we come to the realization as they tell, fill us in on this, that the guy worldwide West had showed up with wasn't a man. It was Derek character who went on to play in the NBA, but at the time was the most coveted eighth grader in the country. He was 13 years old. So this was in 2002 when that game took place, that game actually took place February of 2002. Derek character wouldn't even turn 14 years old until May of 2002. So incredible kids 13. And I thought he could have potentially been a pro, certainly like a division one player just to see his body and stuff. I'll never forget that. 
watch the game. Game's incredible. After the game, and then the, the second best part about this game is as after the game, I actually interviewed Carmelo. Carmelo's team won. They had a better team at the time. After the game, we leave the arena. We're in the parking lot. And right around that time, I think, was the All-Star game in Philadelphia. So as we're leaving the arena, we're walking to our car in the parking lot. And who do we see walking, who had just come from this game, in a Larry Bird jersey? But Mike Miller. Hmm who was there for, for All-Star Weekend, he had decided to go watch this game between the future high school stars. And I always think about that moment because I think Mike Miller ended up becoming like, you know, LeBron's vet and right, his yeah, buddy yeah. and he took him everywhere. But oh. when Mike Miller first saw him, he was like the older guy who's already in the league going to watch this high school kid who ended up taking over. And we actually asked Mike Miller about a place that we had gone when my brother and I had traveled cross, cross country when I was in college. Mike Miller played his high school games at a place called the Corn Palace in South Dakota. Uh, and it's like this, it's one of these spots you got to do when you drive cross country. The Corn Palace, the whole thing is made of corn and it's all decorated in corn. And his high school games took place in the Corn Palace. And no so, so he got a huge kick out of us knowing that. We were like, oh, I think it's Mitchell, South Dakota. But we, uh, yeah, we said, oh, I've been to the Corn Palace. And so he was talking to us about that. We we're like, what did you think of LeBron? It was also funny that, like, he's playing for the Magic at the time and wearing a Celtics jersey. <laughs> Just thinking about social media now, like seeing Mike Miller. I mean, I know it's Larry Bird and it's Mike Miller. You'd expect Larry Bird to be one of his idols. But still, to have a guy that's also in the Eastern Conference uh, at that time. So big memory of mine. Uh seeing Derek character as a 13 year old, seeing LeBron play Carmelo and then seeing Mike Miller after the game. That's awesome. You know, David Griffin has told me the story. Now I can't recall all the details, but he was there. He was scouting. He was with the Suns with Danny Ainge. And, and I think they like left after like eight minutes and Danny Ainge was like, yeah, I've seen enough. (laughs) He's, He's that good. <laughs> I've, I've seen enough. It's funny you mentioned Derek characters. So I went back and looked. You know that so Worldwide West is bringing him to the game. He's a New Jersey kid, and in 06, he mm-hmm. was the twenty four seven Sports Composite has him as the tw- the twenty fourth ranked player in the 06 class. Mm-hmm. So so that so at the time you're talking about is an eighth grader. So you can think, all right, eighth grader, see where he ends up. Didn't play in the NBA. Went to went to Louisville. Right above him, he did. He played in the NBA briefly, right? Briefly, yeah, briefly. yeah. He didn't okay. have an extended NBA career, but yes, he he did play for he played for the Lakers briefly. Okay, right above him, twenty three was Robin Lopez in the class of 06, still playing. Uh, Mike Conley, twenty two. Earl Clark was twenty one. Then a few guys, you know, a few guys missed. Uh, Fifteen was Gerald Henderson. Daquan Cook was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drell Arthur was 13. Mm-hmm. Paul Harris. I don't rec- recognize that name at all. Syracuse. Syracuse. Went to Syracuse. Yeah, I don't recognize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good player at Syracuse. Yeah, Javaris Crittenden was uh, number 11. 10 was Brooke Lopez. 9, Wayne Ellington. 8, Henry Walker. And then 7, Ty Lawson. 6, Chase Budinger. 5, Thad Young. 4, Spencer Hawes. 3, Brendan Wright. 2, KD. And 1, Greg Oden. I love looking back at high oh, school it's rankings. Awesome. It's awesome. And it just also goes to the show. Like, of course, if a kid's athletic and everything, it's six, seven, nearly six, eight as an eighth grader. 
Like, and what do you have to compare them to? That's that's the other part. And I will say, when I covered the scene, it was awesome. I mean, it, it was a different time. Social media wasn't as big. You didn't get as many clips, so people weren't weighing in. And I was working for a high school sports show. And what we did at the time was we would we would compile all this video, but we'd also be at ABCD camp. We'd be at the elite camps. We'd go see these kids play in high school. And what was awesome was we got to really get a feel for, oh, these rankings are way off. Because a lot of guys just didn't know if they didn't see them. But it was so cool to be able to see kids on a national stage play against each other in camps over the summer, mm-hmm. which was awesome. But then also seeing them, you know, in games like that, where it was like a high school game in person, just to see how good Carmelo and LeBron were at the times they battled. Man, that was that was a great memory for sure. Let's stay on the prospect watch, Adam, and talk about the NBA draft on October 16th. So the date to stay in the draft or pull out is a month before. The NCAA has theirs at... It's actually crazy. So the, the NCAA date to withdraw right now is is August 3rd, I think, for players to, to come back August to school. 3rd, okay. But the weird part is you can still declare up until August 17th. Right, which is right. which is wild. They, they, like the the calendar is such a mess. But yeah, it's uh, and then obviously the international players have, go by a different set of set of rules. But yeah, I mean college coaches are pulling their air out. The, the the draft calendar is bananas right now. So how does this all play out? You're intimately connected to the draft process all the time. Mm-hmm. All of these guys are going to be missing at least nine months of basketball. Yep. Which there's no way any of these guys, probably their entire lives, or at least when it's mattered in terms of um, mm-hmm. honing your basketball skills, have gone nine months without playing basketball. I can't imagine many going unless they've been injured or redshirted, not playing even three months of basketball, or at least not playing five on five in meaningful games. So, how does this play out when these guys haven't played for nine months? James Wiseman at LaMelo Ball, it's going to be a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so two things stand out that are significant about this year's draft process when you even take away the dates. So, so first and foremost is just how you evaluate prospects. And I talked to a good friend of the podcast, Don McLean, who is the number one draft workout guy uh, there is. And Don and I have discussed it. I've talked to college coaches. And the weird part is typically you have three ways in which you can raise your draft stock after the season ends, right? You're going to do interviews with teams and coaches and front offices and all that. You are going to have private team workouts. And then the third way is you have the combine and you have your measurables. You play against other guys. You do some drill work, what have you. Well, you don't have the final two ways. So the only thing that's happening right now are Zoom interviews, not even in-person interviews. So it's really interesting where people typically have these prospects slotted in mock drafts and where people are evaluating them. That changes a lot once you get through team workouts and all of a sudden teams are like, oh, this guy's, you know, we have so many examples in the past. Oh, Donovan Mitchell's way better than anybody anticipated. Or they get him in and see how well a guy shoots or how well he handles it or how big he is. And they go, wow. And teams fall in love. They usually don't make mistakes on that. It's not like the NFL combine where you hear the Mike Mamula famous story, you know, a guy comes <laughs> in and presses at the combine. It's, you know, touchdown Tommy Verdell. It's, it's these cases where it's all about actually NBA teams getting to see, Oh, Don always points it out. 
oh, this guy can do more than he was allowed to do when he was in college. Carl right, Anthony right. Town was basically be a rim runner, get your butt in the post. People didn't understand the handle he had, the way he could shoot it, all that. But Don was working with him all the time. He saw a different skill set. So that is different in itself. But then the other one that's interesting, as you point out, you've got LaMelo Ball, who hasn't played since early December. He was playing in the uh, NBL in, in Australia. He bruised his foot December 8th. Mid-January, while he's still sitting out, he decides he's ending his season, goes back to the U.S. to train. So he hasn't played since since early December. You've got James Wiseman, who suffered through preseason shoulder and ankle injuries, plays three games for Memphis, 28 against South Carolina State, 14 against UIC. Uh, I'm sorry, 17 against uh, UIC, and then 14 and 12 against Oregon. And then before the UIC game, he was basically suspended. And if people remember, Wiseman said, for, you know, and, and Memphis said, forget it, we're still playing. And then finally, that wasn't going to work. So right. instead of sitting out all the games with the NCAA, he sits out his season. So he hasn't played in a game since November 12th. And then Tyrese Halliburton, in the middle of uh, February, he fractured his left wrist. So he's been out since February 8th. He was out for the season with that. So you're talking about three lottery picks, which Noah, that are going to be sitting out at least 11 months before they play again. And I also think that's going to factor into some of these guys' decisions. You're going to test the water as long as you possibly can. Look at potentially entering the draft. Sit there. Get all the information. Why wouldn't you? See what teams think of you. Maybe you impress them in your interviews. It's tough sometimes to, to get true promises and stuff over a Zoom call, but that stuff's still taking place. But you know there's still going to be smoke screens. But hopefully your agent can do some work. But not many guys are moving up in a major way or moving down in a major way. Guys are sort of slotted where they're slotted, so kids are just getting information right now. But what's so fascinating is a lot of these kids have to make the determination. If I go to the pros, my first season, I'm going to be out. I mean, we just pointed it out. Some of these kids are out for an extended period of time. But for the ones that aren't Wiseman and Ball and Tyrese Halliburton, guaranteed to be in the lottery, you're now in a situation though, where you're not going to play till December in a game. And if it's so important, as you know, those first three years to make an impact on a team, especially as a second round pick, it's going to entice a lot of kids to say, you know what, maybe this year of all years, I'll stay in the draft as long as possible, but you know when it comes when push comes to shove, I'm a second round pick. I should be going back to school. I can't take the chance that I go in and don't play well because I haven't touched a basketball in a meaningful game in way too long. Right, or you know, depending on what the family situation is financially, some guys, you know, like Mark Jackson said, I I had to go. You know, I knew mm -hmm. I knew I had to go make money for my family. So there will be guys like that, and no one would begrudge them for making that decision. I just think what we're going to see is sloppiness across the board. So I think <laughs> next, I think this NBA, this coming, what's going to happen over the next few months is going to be really sloppy. I think next season is going to be really sloppy. I think college basketball itself is going to be really sloppy. And how much true evaluating can you do when – Basically, everything is stacked against you, and you're not really set up to succeed at this point. I would recommend having having gone through the draft process with Mo, with Mo Bamba doing media and marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. I would suggest that the players who have made considerable gains, whether it's in the weight room and also in their game, when they're strategically putting out videos on social is to go split screen with 
this is who I was then, this is who I am now, and have you know actually actually show actually do the same things that you were doing in a game, and now do them in your empty gym, so you can see the body, you can see if there's a change in form, so it so it does so it as closely resembles what it was in college versus what it is now, so that maybe someone does fall in love with those gains and those improvements. As a guy that works as a media consultant for NBA guys, we've seen you do it with now college football superstars, Dante Whitner, no big deal. <laughs> uh, uh, and, no, but, but as a guy I'm who just does try, that, I'm just trying to be your agent. That's all. I listen, I, I take it in a heartbeat. What, what would be your single biggest advice if you're talking to a college prospect right now? You just gave some great advice in terms of a way you could best put yourself in a position in terms of the on-court stuff and display that, which I think is mm-hmm. brilliant. But these kids are having Zoom interviews, which are going to be different than one-on-one interviews. So what would your advice be? College prospects right now talking to teams who often are going to be, as I'm hearing it, multiple people on the call. So you're talking, you know, you can get the coach on the call. You can have the GM on the call. You're mm-hmm. going to get other members, the uh, front office on the call. What are you telling these kids about how they should handle a Zoom call? What would be your advice in those situations? Well, what I would do is have some sort of setup right behind your camera, so which forces you to look directly into the camera, as I'm doing now as we're talking, look directly into the camera when you're answering a question or talking to somebody. When you're when you're listening, sure, you can look down and, and find the box of the person that's listening. So mm-hmm. you're actually looking right at them. But you want them to feel like you want the person on the other end to feel like that you are making that eye contact. So maybe put the the teams, I would recommend since guys are gonna be doing a lot of interviews, put that team's logo right mm. behind right behind your camera. Kind of like tape Love it up or, pro- or prop it up so that you're always focused on you're always focused on that team and also come to the table with and you know this just from going through any other interview two things come to the table with questions specific for that organization they will ask you teams will ask you as a player what do you, what questions do you have for us don't be afraid to say well you have x and y player at this position this is where you've said that I would fit best. So where, how do I, how do I fit in here? Or what is the best way to go about getting a role with your club because of what you've done in the past with so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. So have specific information as it relates to each team. And also here's something else. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if this is for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. When you go into your combine interviews in person, I always said, this is a job interview. So you go in in a, in a suit. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, and I yep. know that you don't play in a suit, but that's how you that's how you present yourself. I bet at least one team will ask a player stand up and to see if they have shorts on or wow. just underwear on or nothing, and they're just and they are just dressed from the shoulders down to their waist. Wow. I bet I bet a team does it. We're gonna get we're gonna get that story to come across. And and on that point, I will say, Don has said that one of the biggest shifts that he has seen in the draft process over the last few years. And again, he's had everybody. I mentioned Carl Anthony Towns, Donovan Mitchell, D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker, Kobe Knard, White, 
And of course, Kobe. I mean, that goes without saying. I think people, fans of the podcast already know, already know. But the one thing he has said that that is a major shift is that now at the combine, the number one thing teams care about is the interview process. And that's fascinating. He said the NBA has shifted over the last few years to where guys that were considered to be issues in the locker room, guys that had problems off the court, all that kind of, the NBA cared talent first. And now they want guys that are going to fit in, that are going to be professional, that are going to be able to play right away. Guys that are going to be great locker room guys because we've seen the success that teams with chemistry have and, and guys that can, especially young players when they have to play early, guys that are coachable. And you can find out a lot uh, through that interview process, which obviously you did wonderful work with uh, Mo Bamba on. You saw how he dominated the interview process uh, after he was at Texas. Just be reliable. Show that you are reliable. Make sure you check it out on Thursday, the Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Scream with award-winning filmmaker Mike Talasian, who hired Adam at Pac-12 Network. So we get into the reasons why. And then also, speaking of negotiations, Adam's contract demands, which eventually led to him getting hired (laughs) at the Pac-12 Network. That comes on Thursday. And again, go back and listen to last week's with Mark Jackson, M-A-R-C Jackson, Mark Jackson, the 13-year pro, seven years in the NBA, a Philadelphia legend with stories from the streets and in the league. I guarantee you'll enjoy that hour with Mark Jackson. Everything else on the Lockdown Podcast Network, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, speaking of the NBA Draft, Hollinger and Duncan every Monday. Locked on Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd. Locked on NBA five days a week and your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam is on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam, thanks, pal. Noah, thanks for uh, allowing me to talk today. Appreciate it. You are the best.